Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, December 18th, 2021. There's a great sense of satisfaction and anticipation as you near the end of reading a book. Well, if you've been tracking with us, you're nearing the end of the Bible. And specifically, when we think of the last book of the Bible, we think of Revelation. And so as we go through Revelation, I want us to consider and anticipate these things because we're reading a book not about things that have just have happened, but things that will happen. And I want us to consider even again some of the implications. How should we live now in light of what we know will happen at the end? Today, we read Revelation chapter 16, verses 12 through 21. And starting there in the Verse 17, it talks about the seventh bowl judgment. Now, there were the uh, seals, the seven seals, then the seven trumpets. Now there's the seven bowls, and this is the final one. And it says, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found, and great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. And so there, just as you think through that, uh, and in the end, I love how there was the voice saying, it is done. And there's the earthquake and the hail. And you get a sense that ultimately God's wrath will be poured out and nothing will stop it. That nothing will overcome God. Even the sixth angel, when he pours out his bowl, um, it dries up to make way really for uh, the kings of the world to assemble their armies to come to battle at Armageddon. And we know who's going to win that battle. Oh, that's right. God is going to win that battle. So one, one thing to think of as we think of, well, what about now in light of then, whose side are you on? Ultimately, everybody is either on the side of King Jesus or you're on the side of the world. There is no middle ground. And there's only one way to be on the side of King Jesus. It's not through uh, being born as a Christian or uh, going to church. It's through repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Which side are you on? That's the most important question that you could ask. And so that's kind of where we need to start as we think through, well, how do we live now in light of then? Well, are you ready? Have you been reconciled to Jesus Christ? That is where we need to start. Also, this passage gives us an idea of alertness. In verse 15, behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on so that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed, right? A sense of readiness. And I think lots of times when it's talking about being ready, there's a a moral sense of that, a moral sense of readiness. We're not living like the world. We're not doing what the world does. We are living uh, the way God would want us to, the the constant level of moral readiness um, for God's return. 
And also, just as we think through this, we need to be reminded of the justice of God, that God will make all the wrongs right, that he will take care of things. And as we've also talked about recently, that's not something then that we can do ourselves. So God is going to win in the end. Are you on his side? Are you living with a constant state of readiness uh, for his return? And are you trusting that he will make everything right? And we get Another example, really, of God's judgment as we go back to the prophets and we look at the book of Obadiah today. And now, Obadiah is a shorter New Testament book, one chapter, and it's focused on the kingdom of Edom. Now, the kingdom of Edom, these would have been descendants ultimately of Esau. It would have been a kingdom on the other side of the Jordan River and really more on the other side of the Dead Sea from Israel in what is modern day Jordan. And God pronounces judgment against them. And he says, uh, there in at the end of verse one, rise up, let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? So there was clearly a pride uh, in these people and God saying, I'm going to bring you down. Uh, And even they talk about you who live in the clefts of the rock. This is the area of the world where now you could go and still look at the ruins of the city of Petra. I think that's the idea. You know, this city that was, uh, you know, easy to defend because literally the homes and the buildings are built into the side of these rocks. You know, imagine them dwelling in security saying nobody can come conquer us. And God saying, no, I will bring you down. And later it talks about in verse 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. And so again, God is going to make it right. God is going to punish nations. God is going to punish the people who have rejected him, who have rejected the Lord. And so even there, looking at it from an Old Testament perspective, we should think some of those same things. Am I on God's side, really through repentance and faith? Am I uh, living uh, for him? And then am I trusting that as I look out at all the things I'm frustrated by in the world, I'm trusting that God is going to make things right. And even just as we consider the control of God, that brings us back also to John chapter 18, back to really the arrest and then the trial of Jesus. And one amazing thing as we look at verses 12 through 24 today is after he is arrested, he is taken away and he is led to Annas for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas who was high priest that year. And then it says it was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. And remember that refers back to earlier in John when Caiaphas makes this kind of accidental prophecy that God was orchestrating even these wicked men to accomplish his purpose. And then you see a contrast, I think, between Peter even and Jesus, where Peter denies Christ here. We read the the first of uh, the denials here. But then Jesus, even though he is beaten, he is struck um, by this servant of the high priest who says, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said was wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? And I love that example of Jesus. I think even for us as his followers that Jesus, um, he pushes back with his words. He brings them back to the truth saying, hey, why did you do that? That wasn't 
I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't deserve that is basically what he was saying. But he doesn't respond with violence. He doesn't respond with anger. He just calmly states the truth. And as we wait for God, he's the one that is going to come back and really inflict his wrath on the world. That is not our job now. Our job now is to calmly state the truth. And there we see a great example of that from Jesus. And well, a bad example of from Peter, who did not calmly state, state the truth, but he fearfully denied Christ. So a lot of those things we can come back to as we think about the end. But our final passage today is Psalm 144. And even just as we think about our lives here and now, so should we just, you know, go hide out in the mountains and and wait for the return of Christ? Uh, Should we, you know, what should we do in the meantime? And I think this passage, uh, you know, gives us just some thoughts that the things that we pursue in this life, it's not wrong still to ask God to bless those things. Even when you think about your family, your career, what you, what you do. Um, in verse 12, we're looking at Psalm 144, verses 9 through 15. It says, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. People, Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And there he's praying really for, for blessing for his family, that his sons and daughters would, would be strong. That, that's a picture really of plants and pillars. That's where we get the name of our youth group from, but that they would be strong. Um, and then also that there'd be success, really a very agrarian society, uh, that their granaries would be full, that their sheep would bring forth thousands, right? So we need to live with a moral readiness and a realization that this life is not everything, right? Consider Amos, the rebuke of the people that were complacent and basically just living to be rich and fat and happy right here, right now. No, that is not what we want. But we see this prayer it is is not wrong to desire a healthy family, a strong family, a fruitful labor in whatever your profession is. Those aren't wrong wrong things to desire. When we put those as the primary things, we'll go astray. But when we desire those things, and when those things happen, that's a good thing, right? Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. And so may God's blessing be upon you. May God's blessing be upon your family. May God's blessing be upon your job. But in the midst of all that, let's not get complacent. Let's not get fat and happy. Let's keep our focus on eternity. Let's keep our focus on the end. And even as a part, even of you being ready, consider how part of that is training your children, investing in them, teaching them the gospel, teaching them the scriptures. Uh, There should be an urgency to us in that as we know that the end is coming. And we are nearing the end, not just of the book of Revelation and the book of the Bible, but as every day goes by, we are getting closer to the end and closer to the return of Christ. May we be ready. May we be following him. May we be seeking him in everything that we do. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.